0: Hello and welcome to In Orbit, the podcast exploring how technology from space is making a better world. Brought to you by the Satellite Applications Catapult. I'm your host, Dallas Campbell, and in this series, we'll be in conversation with some of the most inspiring minds in the country, exploring the ways that the UK is using space to make huge differences to our everyday lives, as well as gaining a better understanding of its role in shaping and sustaining our planet for the future. Today, in our series finale, we're venturing once again into the world of small satellites, discussing the latest partnership between the Catapult and Open Cosmos to build and launch a key demonstration satellite to join the Open Cosmos Open Constellation. And I'm joined in the studio by Gary Cannon, Space Segment Lead at the Satellite Applications Catapult. And from Open Cosmos, we have Jordi Barrera Ars, Co Founder and Vice President of Technology and remotely Florian Dekonink, Vice President of Growth at Open Cosmos. The Open Cosmos Open Constellation is a global shared satellite infrastructure built to provide diverse, frequent and reliable data of our changing planet. This new satellite, which is expected to launch as early as next year, will gather and process Earth observation imagery that can be used to develop solutions to challenges in the Atlantic Ocean, from illegal fishing to ocean pollution. It's the In Orbit series finale. We've saved the best to last, <laughs> obviously. No pressure. Listen, thank you very much for joining us. It's great to have you here. Gary, just fill us in. IOD6. What is this? IOD
1: six is the sixth mission within yeah. the in orbit demonstration program that has been set up by the catapult by okay. uh, our very own Flo- well very own ex very <laughs> own Florian deckening uh, as far as I understand uh, perhaps Florian can uh, can bring us up to speed with the, to where it came from but okay. the in orbit demonstrator program is there to help bring all these ideas that come out of Various sectors, not just the space sector, it could be anything from agriculture and mining, uh, your seafaring. There's so many applications that might benefit from spaceborne capability or yeah. technology. And the Catapult's IOD program is in place to help
0: bring those ideas to fruition. And have you actually put it, it, the number six lends a clue that this is the sixth it iteration of this. Two have flown. Two have flown. Iod one okay. and
1: Iod five have flown, okay. uh, both successfully. Iod three was unfortunately on the Virgin Orbit launch back in January, yep. uh, which didn't reach orbit, okay. so that's now at the bottom of the Atlantic.
0: And, and the ones that flew, are they are they kind of working? Are they doing things? They were. They've now and retired. What, and what they're, are they? That's they're quite retired. small
1: spacecraft. They're they're what we call three U. Which basically means thirty centimeter long spacecraft, pretty okay. small. So they've got a pretty short lifetime. But again, Jordi and uh, Florian will be able to tell us more about that. So but okay, they only lasted for about six months, and they were launched. Only one was launched. I think it was twenty nineteen. I'm looking at Flow.
0: I think yes, it was just after I left the catapult.
1: Yeah, and then IOD five flew a, a year or so later.
0: And was the is the idea? It's like oh, I've got a brilliant idea for satellites, and then you you guys come in and say okay, we'll help. You, we'll put it up into space. It does it does it six months? And then uh, it's, it's just the demonstration. It's not like kind of. So I'm I'm going to be a little bit specific
1: or picky yeah. there because it's not. I've got a great idea for a satellite. I've got a great idea for a service. That's yeah. yeah that's what because I meant. a satellite is kind of the bit in between. That's you know? what he meant. I to want to undig to, himself from the right. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to see how hot buildings are. Okay. I don't want a satellite to show me how hot buildings are. I my service is how hot is that building? Yeah. It just so happens that from space. You can see more buildings. Yeah. So you can, you know, your service might be better.
0: Yeah, that makes that yeah. makes sense. And this is something that's going to be going on in, into the future, this IOD. This is, the, you know, the catapult is here to support good ideas. And that's it right. seems like a very end-to-end. Like, do you actually help them design the bit of kit that's going to tell them how hot a house is? And then you help them launch it? And- we... we- are there
1: to hold the hands of the the applicants, okay. basically, because generally the applicants, the people that come to the IOD program with yeah. their ideas, or their, specifically their business case, they have to have written a business case. And uh, all of those applicants get judged on the standard and the feasibility of those business cases. And the winner, in inverted commas, gets selected and taken forward. But the catapult will help those people out with all the jargon and the timelines. What's going to happen when, what kind of information do you okay, need to provide? And, but the technical content right. is generally dealt with by the, what we call the platform providers. And in, in, in the case of IOD6, that's Open Cosmos. Yeah.
0: So you're kind of like a producer. You help kind of organize and... Yeah. What's the, what's the word when you bring people together? We're a collaboration. Uh, a bringing outfit. people together around. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that, that everything. So, Jordi... So um, you won. Is that the right word? So your company?
2: Not really. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and that's the end of the podcast. Thank you very much. For we uh... tell you what. Before we get into that, just tell us tell us a little bit about Open Cosmos. Tell us who you are, and then tell us how you got involved with the with the catapult.
2: So Open Cosmos is a company that um, our vision is to help solving the world's biggest challenges. So how, in is the my house, for example. We're just, we're just now that, well, to be honest, yeah. uh, you know, it's providing, really good, it's really providing good, self-shelter yeah, yeah, yeah. in an economic basis that people can afford, it is an important thing for humankind.
0: When you say we want to solve the world's problems, so give us, give us some examples. You So when this company was set up, you were thinking, okay, this is, these are the boxes we've got to tick.
2: That's right. So humanity has been facing few challenges across many, many years. And we look at history to know that, And well, more recent events. Everyone knows about, you know, the climate emergency, uh, climate change. It's just that with the space data using satellites, it's the best tool actually to provide data for some of these. Not for everything. This is like having a hammer and a screwdriver. Mm -hmm. Hammer is good for some things, screwdriver is good for some others. But actually for monitoring global events, global phenomena, in a coherent and timely manner and economically, space data is actually very well placed. So Open Cosmos was founded to actually help on this. There's multiple companies helping on this push. Companies, governments, agencies, different institutions, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So we are one company that we, we thought that we could do things in a slightly different way to actually help making this faster, more accessible to everyone, et cetera. So our different products and services of Open Cosmos, they span from deploying space infrastructure. So that will be deploying satellites. Uh, to get specific type of data for any type of customer. And the winners of the IoT 6 mm-hmm. uh, or any of the IoT missions, et cetera, would be essentially the customer that would come to us and we would put together this infrastructure to launch that payload and get that data from Orbit. So that goes from the design, all the assembly, manufacturing of all the different pieces on ground, and the satellite part, and taking care of like the launch, we take care of all the procurement of the, all the legalities, the certain insurance and things like this that are needed. And then we operate the satellite and we provide that data. So That's but, one of the services.
0: So, so people come to you. So if I've got a particular idea, I would come to you and go, yeah. well, I've got this idea. And you,
2: you can go, ah, oh, I know. You, okay. you can come directly to Cosmos. Some people would go to Catapult mm. and some institutions. And then they could help doing, you know, like a bridge.
0: Yeah,
2: um, They could help by providing funding. They could help by iterating a certain idea, if it's less major to help them actually see if space data is the best one. Mm-hmm. Maybe the outcome is it's not. Maybe the outcome is yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but they could come directly to us. I mean, many of our customers have come directly to us saying, hey, you know, we, we need this data mm-hmm. for this application. Do you guys think that you can help with that? And then we, we look at which is the best way Got for it. us to do so.
0: Got it. And Florian, can I just ask, what? how did you get involved with the Catapult? Like, what was? How did that sort of partnership develop? Or Because I know, I think I'm right in, in saying that you used to work at the Catapults as well. So presumably yeah, that's you, correct. Had, you had a, a bit of an inroad there.
3: Indeed. Uh, I think five years. So I started in 2013 and I worked five years. And that's where I helped uh, so create what is uh, the in-orbit demonstration program. So supporting companies and uh, demonstrating a service, exactly as uh, Gary mentioned. And after five years, I decided I wanted to be uh, one of the companies that one could be helped and to also uh, so go from the catapult, which is a research and technology organization into more the business investment type of companies such as Open Cosmos. So that's my first link with the catapult and the in-orbit demonstration program. The second link is, as you mentioned, that uh, open Cosmos has in effect two roles within this uh, IUD6 mission. The first one is that we are providing the mission in terms of the satellite itself, which is being built, but we're also the one who are demonstrating a service out of it. So we act as both roles and we effectively are building the bridge, which is how we can take advantage of the technology which is available and make it accessible for people who don't need to know anything about space at all.
0: Mm -hmm. And it's the idea with the demonstration that you you prove that it works. And then, okay, this works. And then th- they go off and build more of them.
1: Yeah, and I think that's the case in the od six. Again, I'm going to look to our Open Cosmos friends here because uh, this demonstrator is part of the Open Cosmos Open Constellation program. A lot of opens. Indeed. Exactly. Okay, right. yeah. Well, let's
0: okay. Let's let's just let's get our let's get our definitions. So Open Cosmos is the name of the company. Open Constellation is.
2: Well, I know what a constellation. It's is. the name. Of essentially one of the services or proposition of Open Cosmos really to the world, um, we are putting together, like actually making it reality, a concept that has been for a while actually uh, going back dozens of years of the constellations. Mm-hmm. So, constellation is a group of assets. In this case, would be satellites that work together towards a common goal.
0: People will have heard of the SpaceX. Starlink for constellation. example, That's that would be a constellation, constellation.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, in the Earth observation domain, which is anything we do to actually gather data uh, from the Earth, for the Earth, right? There's been uh, multiple constellations in the past, but what has happened is that either in order to have actually certain type of data, let's focus on different verticals. One is diversity of data. So this is going back to the hammer and the screwdriver, depending on what you want to observe, for example, put in the case of a climate change, you might need to gather different types of data. So these will be different types of sensors, instruments, okay? And you need actually different, diverse data to put together for a common picture. Mm-hmm. If you just get, you know, I don't know, temperature at the surface in land, you won't get actually the full picture, okay? You might want to observe how does snow or the ice caps actually change over time? You might want to observe CO two concentration. You might want to observe how vegetation expands yeah. or diminishes in places, etc. This requires different instruments. The other axis is what we call the revisit times. How often you can get that data. Mm-hmm. There's no point on getting one data point and nothing else. Many of these effects actually span days, weeks, months, years, dozens of years. Okay, so. In order to do that, you want to have a constellation. In the past, and still now, launching a constellation is expensive. It's tricky. It's not in the hands of like many companies. And many people actually don't want to create a space company to get that data. It's not their business. It's not their purpose. It's not within their reach. So we thought that by creating a constellation where there's multiple customers that have a common purpose but kind of like a collaborative approach, would be better to serve uh, them all. Okay. So that's what comes a Federated Constellation. It's a constellation yes. made of different satellites, diversity, more of them, because in revisit times, but of multiple customers, which means that the cost Got for it. each one is reduced.
0: Ah, that's interesting. So multiple customers, all with a name, we want to understand climate. Or other applications. With, or, or, or whatever it might be. But the, but So each customer might have a different instrument or a different usage for their particular satellite That's right. and then group together we get And they
2: benefit from picture. the others. Ah okay. To do an analogy, mm. it will be the difference between having a public transport system, buses, mm-hmm. trains underground, mm-hmm. versus owning a car. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we benefit from a federated from a system that multiple people use mm-hmm. that makes it more economic. In many cases actually it makes it the best alternative.
0: Great. So what does the Open Constellation look like now? I mean, do you have other satellites built? Like, how many?
2: Uh, Open Constellation is already a a reality.
0: Oh, so it's in space? Is it going already? It's in space. Okay.
2: Uh, We've got, we launched the first satellite of Open Constellation in January 2023. Okay, so So how many? eight months ago.
0: Okay, to pause that, what did that first satellite look like? Just so we've got a picture
2: in our head. It's
0: massive. Is it a car? It's a a six-year satellite,
2: so... To go back to Gary's numbers, yeah, it will be kind of like double to the three U, right? Why do you call
0: it
1: U? Like, why do you say three U? Why didn't you just say 3U? One U is is like the the size of a standard unit within an electronics rack, and that was Ah. 10 centimetres by 10 centimetres
0: by 10 centimetres. It's one liter. That's a cube. That's a it's a right. It's a liter. Ah. So that okay. So two so is, is one u, twenty by th- ten by ten. 10? Old, that's kind of an old measurement in a way. That's just sort of being carried over to this new technology.
2: If you dates yeah, back maybe from the 80s or the 90s, I think. Yeah, that's old. From like like the commercial, <laughs> Commercial <laughs> electronics. Yeah.
0: So six
1: u, six by six by six. Yeah. Well, 30 cent. So it's it's six lots of these liter units, which oh, yes. which works out as 30 centimeters by 20 by 10.
0: Okay, Wait, so are they just kind of gone electronic? It's like a shoebox. Or, it's like a shoebox. So you've got one of those. That's, That's right. And what was on the shoebox? What instruments did
2: you have? On this satellite yeah. that we launched in January, there is a multispectral imager. Nice. As well as multiple onboard processing nodes, which allow us to actually process the images on board and to extract certain information, mm. as well as obviously the systems that are required to provide power, to ensure that thermally the imager is happy, to provide communications, uh, to download the data, to tell the satellite what to do. So, but the main instrument is, a, it's like a small telescope, let's put okay. it that way, that can see in different yeah. bands.
0: And that's and that's actually working, and, and, the, and the customers are getting data
2: yeah. from this. Yeah, so we've got, Great. so this satellite is on the backing of a customer mm-hmm. that joined the Open Constellation, so we are providing images remotely to this customer, but then as well, the satellite is generating images, okay. That will be available to other customers of Open Constellation. And IOD6,
0: so IOD6 helped develop that, helps. Not the first one. Not, no. not this first one. So. No. Okay. So
1: the differences really are the fact that we're, we're demonstrating a different type of camera right. and new technologies and capabilities on this second spacecraft within the Open Constellation. So that's where the demonstration aspect comes from. There is another company that Open Cosmos are close to. That's right. Um, that have developed this.
2: Uh, it's a hyperspectral camera. This one, isn't it? It's a hyperspectral camera, and then we are also putting an AI artificial intelligence processor. Actually, two of them, but that's just for technical and artificial reasons. Artificial
0: intelligence. What was the word you said? Processor.
2: Just, just... a computer. Oh, okay. And this is IOD six is a mission that has few things that are kind of like are the forefront of technology. But to summarize it, will be a mission that will be highly autonomous. Satellites are already very autonomous. We don't have connection 24-7 to satellites, and we don't need to. They are prepared to do their thing and you know download the data when they have it, etc. And they have to get in trouble, out of trouble if they get in, etc. on their own. But IOD6 will go beyond that. IOD6 will be able to take the images from the hyperspectral camera, and then we'll be able to process them on board, then read that information in itself, and then retask tell itself, the satellite, what it has to do in the next coming minutes or hours based on the information it sees. For example, if we tell IOD6 to monitor a certain coastal area to look for a specific type of vessels, ships, then it will take images, and depending on what it sees, it will tell itself to then maybe image a bit on the site or forward, etc., another area, or to monitor it a bit later on. Mm -hmm. We'll be able to take its own decisions without ground control. This is kind of like the next level in Earth observation. So you can see that even though we launch one satellite in January, the satellites in the making, which we have few dozen now, already have quite a bunch of capabilities that will come in place in the coming months, some of them in in one year or two years time
0: you know how everyone's like freaking out about ai at the moment and anyone mentions ai it's like the world's gonna end it's the levels of ai isn't it like i think you're talking yeah. about is it, i
1: forget which way around it is. is it level three is there, the 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 so skynet this or is, or is not the skynet no
0: you say that it all starts with an autonomous
1: nanosat so this ai that jordy's talking about it basically if you can imagine a spacecraft flies over but it's cloudy Okay, the spacecraft has been told to look for ships, but it's cloudy. I can't see any ships. So the onboard processor will look at that data and say, it's cloudy. I'm not going to bother downlinking that data. Because every time you send data back to the Earth, it costs money. Uh, So there's no point sending clouds down to the Earth. So it does that processing onboard. Sometimes you might want that data really quickly. You've passed over the area of interest, the coastal region that Geordie was referring to. You found useful data. The AI processor said, this is good imagery, but we need it now because we we can't wait a couple of days till we go back over that area. There's more capability on the spacecraft called an inter-satellite link. What that means is the the IOD6 spacecraft can then broadcast the data to another satellite, which is over a ground station. Ah, okay. So it can then send it down quicker. So
0: this is the idea of of, uh, the constellation is that, that having lots of satellites with slightly different... You can you
2: can do it that means with they constellations. Can talk, they can also
0: talk to each other rather than yeah. In the case of IoT Six,
2: doesn't talk to Open Constellation satellites. Uh, it talks to another constellation of existing satellites, which are not or Open Cosmos ones. Uh, it's a commercial constellation out yeah. there. But yeah, that's uh, Gary's uh, explanation is is great. This is another step forward, which I I forgot to mention actually which is very important for Earth observation where there's certain events that actually don't happen in days, weeks, months, years, but actually they, we need to know, or it's very useful to know them as they happen. In real time. Think about emergency, you know, natural disasters. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And in that, these satellites can do all the processing on board and tell you, hey, something is happening here, real time. Yeah. Because you only pass over... You have to pass over a ground station to receive the data from the yeah. spacecraft,
1: but you only pass over the order of four to seven minutes in lower orbit. so you can imagine if your spacecraft is taking loads of data, you've got to try and pump all of that data back down to Earth to that ground station that you're looking at really quickly and of course, the faster it goes, the more technology you need on board the spacecraft and, But if you can beam the data to another spacecraft, then it can take its time to download that mm. data and
0: is that is that the kind of where we're, where we're aiming for kind of real time earth observation useful. for some yeah,
1: yeah, yeah useful for, this word, for, for this some
2: applications yeah
0: and this is where
1: the AI thing comes in as well. It's yeah. useful data. It's not just all the data that we get, but yeah. it's, the use, it's, it's understanding what the good data is. That's the thing. And I mean, that, that, that data time. we're
0: collecting now in space is just unbelievable. There's some great stuff. Yeah, as Jodie was saying, the Open Constellation
1: itself has got the multispectral uh, camera already. We're putting a hyperspectral camera up. There's the spacecraft out there. that are looking at a The, the <laughs> spectral, the <laughs>
0: super-duper-spectral. Well, hyperspectral is already a lot yes. of plans. <laughs> Who comes up with the names of this? I want, yeah. I want to be like a camera superlative namer of things. (laughs) Florian, just tell us a little bit about Open Constellation. We've got a a nice sense of certainly what flew earlier this year. What's the kind of grand ambition? Like, what what will the Open Constellation look like in, I don't know, 10 years?
3: Or even even shorter than this. So our plan, as uh, Jordi mentioned, is we really want to have a mutualized infrastructure. So how many satellites are we talking about? So the minimum capability we'd like to have for, uh, let's say, weekly revisit at least. So every week, more or less, you are able to take an image of what a point, whatever point of interest of the Earth would be around 24, 25 satellites. Mm-hmm. But we don't have to reach that, uh, let's say, minimum capacity to start sharing the data. As mentioned, we started with this first satellite, and we have already uh, five more that will be launched over the next uh, nine months. And that's the beginning. So with this, we're going to have the first initial capabilities that we're going to be able to first serve operational needs, and also test some, let's say, uh, high technology and performance, but more in a, in a demonstration uh, aspect, like the ISL uh, inter-satellite that we mentioned. We really, we really trying to push uh, the technology up to the maximum of what it can deliver in time of time. Mm. So. Overall, what this looks like is uh, so multiple sensors. As mentioned, either you have simple bonds, simplistically like say black and white or RGB, but you could, could also have 30 or even sometimes hundreds of bands. The advantage is to get more granularity and a good mix in terms of, for example, multispectral or hyperspectral, but also in the future, since you mentioned, let's say, five to ten years, we will aim to have other type of bonds. So not only the visible bonds that we can all observe, but also thermal infrared bonds. So it would be anything between eight and uh, 15, uh, 13 micrometers, for example.
0: And what are you going to be seeing? Like, what does that tell us?
3: So the specifically, for example, the thermal infrared bond is very adapted to detect any temperature. So meaning that um, because of you have a curve, the black body, and you have a a maximum of uh, emission depending on the temperature. Okay, thanks to this, for example, for thermal infrared, you're able to detect whether a house is badly insulated because it's going to emit a lot of energy. So it's going to be high temperature.
0: So like, you know, your local council can look down at particular areas of... Cities and go well. Actually, that whole block of flats is terrible. It's like a it's yep, leaking exactly. heat. Yep. There's a, why there's... is Britain so bad at yep. f- uh, insulation, e- where the rest of Europe is so brilliant? Exactly. For this. example, not the pointing, <laughs> not not well, making a political statement. That's exactly one of the use cases of a, another
1: satellite that's um, being built at the moment called Satellite View. They are looking at the uh, the thermal emissions of buildings across the UK, and I, I think it's wider than that. I think it goes across Europe as well, yeah. but. The, the consumers of that data are exactly, as you say, the councils, oh, no and, escape. Uh, government agencies, because... <laughs>
0: They'll be looking into our souls. <laughs> I'm not sure. Yeah, we haven't, we haven't got a soul, with the, with a soul, soul camera, camera yet.
1: <laughs> it's not about <laughs>
2: control. Just so that people listen, don't but, freak but out. But they can so use that <laughs> data.
1: They can use that infrared data to um, to ex- do exactly as you say. You know, They can start to create metrics on how yes. hot a particular city is or how hot a particular area is, or where the traffic's being routed around a city because those hot cars uh, are showing us where everything's going and they the city planners and uh, the communications engineers can start to use that data to either distribute the traffic fix the insulation or basically you know if they understand where we are now that creates a baseline and it helps us to Improve from a climate perspective yeah. going forward. It's amazing.
0: It's great. It's amazing. I say this every. Episode. It's rocket science Thomas. It is rocket science. But I say <laughs> this every. Like the fact that most people just don't know about this, is, yeah. is the thing that's really amazing. Yeah. It's so it's so mind blowing. Like what we can do in space, and the fact you know that that we even understand climate change and what's going on is because we have satellites and space
2: measuring. This it, is a key of, point. Mm-hmm. When when something becomes truly useful and people use it without having to know how that is done, Mm. that shows a level of maturity that actually matters, right? If something you are using it on a daily basis, for example, you're using a laptop, right? You've got a phone. But, I mean, I don't know your background, but I I guess you don't know how to design every single part of the laptop you're
0: using. I know every single (laughs) part. I know know nothing.
2: But But that's great. It's
0: invisible. That's great, right? You use
2: technology, you use science, you use things that you don't have to know how to make them. And that benefits everyone. That makes us essentially collaborative as a society that we can push forward.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's a, it's a it's a it's a deep philosophical point. I mean the fact that there is no one person alive that that could make well there probably is actually <laughs> that can make a phone, but it's so specialized. But I don't know. There is something I quite like pulling things apart and tinker them and trying to figure out how they work. And things like phones are so designed for you. We not, still need those people not to, though,
1: not to pull them apart. We still need people that we we absolutely need the consumers of data because you know, I walk around. I use. I looked at my phone the other day and I realized I'd spent. Fifty percent of my phone time on Google Maps. I don't. Yeah. Need, I don't know how Google Maps works, but it's amazing. I can see where the nearest McDonald's
0: is, or where the, the nearest beaches, or anything like that. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. <laughs> in, in, as
1: but we still we still need those well, well, men and those it, women and those kids to come yeah, into to the it. industry and and do this stuff because it's no good just looking at the data and, and thinking this is great, this is useful, and it, well it. It is good, but we also need the engineers behind that and the scientists to we understand t- how we to build tinkers. it. We need yeah, tinkers. we we
0: um, Open constellation. So tell me where it's kind of focusing, which sort of part of the world. Are, are you sort of looking at one particular area of planet, planet Earth? Earth? Just planet Earth. Might do some
3: other planets later, uh, but for now we're just doing Earth. <laughs> <laughs> it's <laughs> really... It's, it's more because we don't have the choice of, in some cases. The orbits go all around the Earth. Okay. So the question would be why, why limit ourselves? When we, in any case, have to orbit the Earth, it's more or less pole to pole, ninety-eight degrees inclination. Pole to pole. I thought I'm sure I read
0: somewhere that you were looking at the the Atlantic, particular Atlantic regions.
3: Ah, that's also true, well. that. indeed. So that's part of uh, the uh, one of the area, and actually also related to climate change. Is a lot of the uh, area uh, in the Atlantic. Specifically, our interest is mostly on the coastal areas because that's where you have a lot of activities because of the way it's naturally yeah. placed. And uh, that's indeed one of the uh, interests of one of our customers because that's first where you see a lot of changes more recently, one part because of climate change and you have a lot of uh, soil erosion or just, for example, you we, we want to see what is actually evacuated uh, from, uh, let's say, rivers into the sea. For example, I think there was a case in the UK where you had a huge amount of discharge because of management of water. That's one way to monitor what is expelled out of it from space. Specifically of interest to us because there are very broad areas. When you think about, for example, monitoring uh, coastlines, it's very hard to do with one plane and very expensive to do it continuously. But if you have an asset which is orbiting the Earth and can take strips of, let's say, 20 by 600 kilometers, then you can easily have a very good overview within one pass, and that's one of the key advantages of satellites. Uh, yeah. You mentioned the role for climate change. I think it contributes to the majority of what they call the essential climate variable, and uh, I think it's uh, at least one third of all the ECV, essential climate variable, can only be monitored from space. For example, monitoring the height of the sea is not something you, you go, you know, you, you go into the sea and you say, oh, is it higher or lower than my belly button? The a big stick,
0: that's what
3: you like need. That. You need to to use satellites. So not well, necessarily to, small satellites, yeah. but big satellites. Yeah.
0: So satellites plus ground truthing plus, well, I suppose the, the better the information that you put into the, the climate models... The the, yeah, the, being better, being the the more well. sense it makes, and the, and the better
1: prepared we are to deal with it. Yeah, exactly. if we understand more fidelity, yeah, uh, then yeah, we can
0: implement the technology to recover. Yeah, let's talk about the technical challenges. Like how I mean, from the sort of catapult point of view, and and, and doing this kind of stuff, how is it easy? <laughs> is it is it like a massive headache? Like I, I give us a sense of of the sort of the sort of technical challenges of there's an building off. a building something like this.
1: Okay. There's an old phrase in space. Space is hard.
0: We know that. <laughs> <It's> not. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's We're not, constantly it, reminded it's recently, recently that space is hard.
1: <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of systems, even in the smallest yeah. satellites. There's a lot of systems. There's a lot of people, Rick. You've got onboard processing, uh, power generation and distribution. You've got attitude control, uh, the thermal control, environment control, because it's obviously, there's a lot of radiation up in space. So mm-hmm. There's a lot of people, uh, oh, well, a lot of skills required to put even the smaller spacecraft in. in and space. launch, as we know, as you mentioned, the. God, it's not even over. Yeah, you, know, you lost one of your. Launch is, is a massive uh, sector as well. So technically, it's, um, it's a tough gig. So uh, the likes of Open Cosmos have got those specialists in those various areas, and they can work together, and they do, to interface these various systems to make the system work. And where the catapult comes into that is we have an understanding of the processes. Project processes, technical processes, financial processes, yeah. and we can tell people not within that system how it works. Because of course, if, if they're a bit more confident about how
0: it works, they've got more knowledge. Mm. They can start to implement their business case better. Yeah, Flo, you worked at you know you work in Open Cosmos and you worked at the catapult. How important is collaboration? How important is it to have these organisations working together rather than separately, independently?
3: So first parties, uh, synergies, or the effectively, the amount and diversity, versatility of skills you need to build a space mission. We have to think that building a space mission is similar as building a completely different uh, ecosystem, but outside the Earth, where you don't have your own energy, that's why you need the sun, and you need your own independent processing. So it's so complex, even, you know, our body controls our temperature naturally, we don't think about it. The satellite needs to pay attention on its own, so we need to rebuild an entire organism, the satellite, so that it can survive. Out of this, you need to put all of the pieces together, so you have all the different uh, uh, programmatic layers, so regulation, making sure things are on time, that uh, we are well-observed, but also making uh, aggregating the technology into something useful that, after, serves a benefit. So we we are not doing only, let's say, technology for the sake of it, because it's fun, but so that it can benefit people on the ground. So if I put it simplistically, it needs to be very simple for the people who use it, but it's as simple for them as it's gonna be hard for us. The yes. same as for everything. Yeah. And within this, the amount of skills that you can have for example, at the at Open Cosmos is fantastic, but at the end, we are between, let's say, 70, close to uh, 80 people towards the end of the year. We are never short of uh, competencies or even facilities uh, which are heavy in terms of capital that a small company will have struggled to justify financially
0: that's quite a good way of putting it actually the more complicated it is for you the simpler it is for the user but that said
1: this there's a bit of a trend at the moment within the space industry and the hardware side of things towards this plug-and-play type of arrangement especially in the uh, new space kind of area because The old space guys used to build everything themselves, all of those processor boards and attitude control boards. They did all the electronics and the software and the firmware and the interfacing. Um, Whereas nowadays, you can buy these units off the shelf and essentially plug them into your spacecraft and they're ready to go. It's it's obviously more complicated than that, but space is going that way.
0: So we're seeing this great revolution, certainly in, in satellites. Becoming much smaller, things like plug and play, as you said, launch becoming cheaper, and there's obviously lots of talk, certainly about launch in the UK. I'm interested in where is this ending up. I mentioned this idea of sort of real time Earth observation. Is that the goal, or you know, what what's the good, what's the sort of landscape going to look like in the, in, a, well, in a decade or so? Do you think
2: the goal is really to make something that is useful that helps humanity. So whatever we need to keep ourselves here safe on our planet, right? So we have a responsibility as a society to, we have the potential to cause a lot of damage, but we also obviously have a responsibility and potential to do a lot of good. Hmm. So this data actually will help us. Um, It will take us where, where really it needs to. Now, going to a bit more detail, for certain things, yes, we are looking at real-time information. For some other things, we are looking at it's not needed real-time. Actually, what you need maybe is information, like a time series information that you can actually extract a trend to actually see if something is changing the way you think. The first thing to solve a problem is to actually understand it, right? It's to actually monitor it for some time, get the data, truly understand it, and then apply the solutions, and then check if those solutions actually are solving the problem. Mm. Sometimes we get it wrong. Mm. So all these data will help on that. There's, uh, there's diversity of data. There's different type of instruments across the different bands uh, and across literally a different spectrum. I mean, we are not talking only like obviously visual, but going to infrared, there's all the radio waves. There's multiple ways to actually sense, same way that we see with our eyes, mm. we hear with our ears. It's the same as well.
0: We see clearer, clearer and clearer. F- F- Flo, you're about to say something.
3: Building on what you said about uh, time criticality, So one of the important points is as we get, let's say, more capacity to, let's say, create a change, so either through the different use of machinery or because it could be climate change or other things, the sooner you can identify that there is a problem, the more uh, capable you are to solve it. And there are many aspects which you can't solve if you don't have, for example, an alert within 15 to 30 minutes fire detection, which at the moment is very uh, very much of uh, interest because of uh, the summer period. At the time when we did some researches, it was some years ago, the fire brigade was saying, look, we need to identify within 15 to 30 minutes where the fire has started. If we don't get this, then uh, it's effectively it's uh, decreased ex- uh, exponentially in terms of efficiency. So that's when having the right information at the right time is key. And if you can't see something, you're very unlikely to be able to fix it. Satellites have been underused because of different hurdles of uh, time, the huge amount of cost. And thanks to, let's say, new Miniaturized technology, we can now have access to many more satellites. So there may be less performance, for example, in terms of resolution. We're not going to reach 30 centimeter resolution on the ground, which you can with a three-ton satellites, but you're going another order of magnitude in terms of how often you can see the world. You're not saying a word, for example, like an image every, uh, for example, week. You're going to be able to see the image a bit more like a video and be able to react much faster to task the satellite, but also to retrieve the data. And that's really where we're going forward. That's yeah. also why we developed uh, our own data platform that we call Data Cosmos, is to uh, bridge uh, the last part of, uh, of the gap, which is how you go from data to actionable information. In simple world is how do, do you have an app store of applications using satellite imagery? It's similar to Google map. Imagine that instead of having only visual, you're going to have thermal infrared as well, but you could also have alerts. For example, you say, oh, if there is an oil spill uh, here. There is an alarm sent, for example, to a desalinator that needs to know that it needs to stop the intake uh, of water. Otherwise, it's going to be polluted. So yeah. it's, it goes a bit into a lot of different uh, ramifications, but that's real concrete examples of how yeah. this could be changed.
0: So one satellite will be able to say, "Craigie, Dallas's printer's not working. And it will send <laughs> another satellite. We're on it. We're on it. And then they'll beam something down and get it. Yeah, I like it. Well, that's comms. That's, 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 that's real. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's here. That's called yeah. IoT. You know what? I mean, I, I, I often say to people, and I sort of talk about this sort of area, like modern civilization would not be able to function without what we're doing in yeah. space now. And even more right. so in the decades to come. I mean, it's yeah. we're gonna be entirely reliant on it. Yeah. You're
2: using space data every day without yes. realizing yeah. weather forecasts, yeah. yeah. GPS. Yeah. These are Everything. examples that everyone yeah. knows, but communications, and just literally monitoring the Earth for many, many things that then are used for scientists and day-to-day companies to manage our livelihoods. And there was a report issued a a few years
1: ago, the Blackett Report, that said uh, it looked at what would happen if we lost the GPS system. And it would cost the the UK economy a billion pounds a day, for every day, because there's so much of the industry, and the, the, the UK relies on... That data, that timing it data. It is
0: crazy. I'd be okay, because I used to be a motorcycle dispatch rider in London. I had my A to Z, and I, was, <laughs> I could just whip
1: it out my bag. I know where I'm going. Okay, but, but all of those traffic lights <laughs> that you pass through
0: yeah. run on a timing
1: signal, and some of those timing signals are provided by the, the GPS and the Galileo
2: satellite yeah. constellation. Yeah, your phone has atomic precision thanks to the GPS satellites. I can never
0: get reception here. Banking. <laughs> my other annoying bank thing. machines. They, bank they, machines. They, they go down. Yeah, everything. Just tell me about how's the UK doing in all of this? Are we kind of punching above our weight? Do you think? Are we? Are we? I think so. Yeah. Are, 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 are European- Do people look at us jealously in secret from Europe and America <laughs> and go, cool, they got some."
1: I'm not they sure jealously some... but yeah the the big states like obviously America and China are, are, are way ahead in the number of assets and some of their capabilities. Mm. The UK is doing very well. What can we can we do better though? Can we do we need to we have a, like I say, there's a lot of potential in the UK yeah. um, and if we can get all of those individual spots of potential working together better then we can move faster
0: and uh, deliver more capability for the benefit of the earth and humans worldwide. And finally, just to, to our open cosmos, to, to Flo and Jordy, what's the most impactful bit of open cosmos that do, do you think that you're sort of aiming
2: towards? I think the, the most impactful service is the one now that we are, well, we have released it for a while, and it's now growing, which is called Data Cosmos. So we talked about... Data Cosmos. Data Cosmos. So we talked about the space infrastructure bit, which is deploying space infrastructure for any type of usage. It could be science missions, communications, et cetera. Uh, we talked about the open constellation for constellation which is a, a way to help you know bringing diverse data more timely manner and then there's data cosmos which is a, a, an information platform so this is a cloud based software that people users you know agencies governments individuals companies can access where they find these diverse data there it's the way that they interact with this data and then it's got applications made by third parties a companies that we partner with, where they are really good at extracting useful information from certain type of data, and they create this hammer, this screwdriver, you know, all these tools that provide the information that people need in a useful manner. And this is ultimately how people, how humans will consume so, this information.
0: So Data Cosmos, it's basically a repository of data, which is...
2: Not only that. It's a catalogue of data. Yeah but also you find the end processed information. For example, I think Flo mentioned this, does the, um, the oil spill monitoring, right? So if you're a company that wants to monitor a certain area where maybe there are oil spills, actually, because what practices, whatever that might be, you can actually get alerts of that, that an oil spill might be happening. What's the shape? What's the extension? Where is it going? Because we have wind data, et cetera, and currents on the oceans. And then you can actually try to control it. You can try to shut down or protect critical infrastructure, like the salinator plants, which obviously they provide water to people. So that's a problem if that goes down. So this is a platform where people, again, users don't need to know how that data is generated. Uh, What they care about is make sure that they get the right information, the right insights at the right time. And can
0: anyone get this? Or is it it like you sign up for...
2: You sign up. Right now, not every single individual in the planet can get it because we still cannot support it. We are working on it. But there's already few companies and agencies using it. So we have already few customers. And bit by bit, we are controlling essentially the the onboarding of, of new people in it.
0: For you guys when you wake up in the morning what's what's the exciting thing when you look ahead
2: make good make good yeah so really it's just to i think many people at open cosmos and likely in the space industry and far beyond what drives them is just to help literally so we didn't choose to live we were born out of not our choice we can choose though what to do with our lives right and we have to spend the time here we have to live a life we have to have certain income, et cetera, to pay our bills, but we can actually choose then to be good citizens, right? To do our bit, to actually benefit society and help ourselves. So I think this is what drives us, most of us, and I would say, hopefully, most of the people. I see that across the industry. There's so
1: much good in the, in the space industry. It's, it's, it's nice that it's not competitive in a way.
0: Uh, everybody really works together so well. That's a good place to end, I think on an optimistic note. Thank you very much. That's it. Thank you very much for joining us for this series of In Orbit. We've had some terrific guests share their expertise and insights with us on everything from AI and sustainable land use to drones, microgravity, exploring the new frontiers of space technology. We're going to be taking a short break, but to hear future episodes of In Orbit, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And for deeper insights, latest news, more real world space applications, visit the Catapult website, or join them on Twitter, LinkedIn, or Facebook.